0: You are listening to audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church on the corner of Ebenezer Baptist and Pleasant Green Road. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go to ebcconnect.org. Um, we're going to be back in Matthew chapter 5 this morning. Uh, we're going to handle things a little differently today as we go through this. and So just kind of give you some warning about, about what's going to take place and how we're going to do it. Um, we'll, we'll look at, still looking at this passage, but we're going to take some breaks in here to to pray through some things. Um, you know, over the last couple weeks, it's been, there, there's been lots of chaos and lots of turmoil, and um, but probably as much as we've had all that, we've had lots of opinion and, um, and some facts. And it's kind of hard to tell where those lines are, isn't it? To to figure out what's what's opinion, what's fact, where am I supposed to land on that, and how am I supposed to respond to to that in a way that honors God, and we're in this porch conversation, and and essentially it's the idea that of of sitting and wrestling with some things that um, that God shares, and so when we go through this, um, there are some things that we must understand, and some ways that we should respond. And I'm going to tell you up front that you may or may not agree with everything that I'm going to say this morning. What I do want you to catch is I want you to catch what Jesus is getting across and how that applies to what we need to do in response to everything that is happening around us. Jesus starts out and several times in this passage, and we're going to see it three times this morning as we go through Matthew chapter 5. We're going to see three times where Jesus says, Something like this. You've heard it said, but I say. We've talked about that before. is, is Jesus is making this, this statement, this is what you've always believed or always heard or always thought, but I'm telling you this, and, and it's, it's going to be a departure from what you are used to. And, and going into that, we understand that Jesus is sharing the heart of the Father. He's sharing the heart of God with those that are sitting around him and in that bigger crowd in the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus is sharing the heart of God. And, and at the same time, when we look at this, we must have the idea that Jesus is who he says he is. That Jesus is God. So it's not just, God, it's not just Jesus sharing the heart of God. It's actually God sharing from his identity and his authority. Because if we take any of that away, if we were to strip um, his identity and authority out of that, it will water down the message that Jesus is sharing at this particular point. So we must understand that Jesus is God. And so when he speaks, we listen, and that he has the authority to do that. And we give authority to certain people. Um, By vote in this nation, we give authority... To, to some folks and and so we've given authority to a president and a governor and city council members and mayors and all those kind of folks and they their words hold weight. whether we like it or not their words hold weight. And so when when President Trump tweets his words make national news. When I tweet three people look at it, and they must move on. I mean, that's the way that works, right? His words hold weight and, and, it, and we give him that. Well, understand that as much as we give weight of words to presidents and mayors and all those governing folks, we need to give that much or more weight to what Jesus says here. Because he is both God and has the authority of God. And so we cannot discount that. We don't want to water it down. We don't want to take anything away from that, and so we to to diminish either strips the weight of his words. And so, why does Jesus seem to be changing the rules when we read through this? You've heard it said, but I say. Because we like rules, don't we, to some extent? You know, we, we may not love it as a child or a teenager. But, but rules are important because they are predictable, they are expected, they guide us. For instance, if you went to a baseball game and in the third inning, the rules changed. All of a sudden, when people come to the plate, they get four strikes instead of three. Would there not be a complaint? Yeah, there'd be, in fact, there'd be a baseball uprising at that point but we could do that for just about anything you know whether it's that or i mean even coaches and players argue the strike zone if an umpire is not consistent and so we love the consistency of rules yet at the same time we balk at rules if we don't understand the why behind them we'll push back and so when rules change they it disturbs us it, it messes with us and and so we would come out with phrases like, we've never done it that way before, or this is the way it has always been. And so we close off when we have a rule that we don't understand the why for, and we, we close it off and we say, we don't want to have anything to do with that or we don't like that. The, the idea behind that is we close off because we are per- protectionist of our own kingdom. If there is something that we don't like, we don't like a rule that affects that. So so if I said, okay, the rule's going to change today, and hear this because it's not true uh, that this rule has changed. But I said, we're going to leave church today and everybody is driving on the opposite side of the road. Don't hear it. Bob said, drive on the opposite side of the road. I don't want you to get in bad, bad trouble like hit something but but if we change that rule it would mess with us but it would mess with our personal kingdoms as well we get used to things and so we're protectionist at at our very core and so when Jesus is exposing the heart of God he's messing with what we protect and and it's disturbing to his disciples it's disturbing to those sitting around him But it can be disturbing to us because we push back on that. It's not like we've always had it. And so when Jesus shares the heart, the purpose behind hearing the heart of God and understanding the authority that comes with that is our understanding of God. just our understanding, period. And then it's also um, about relationships. It's about our relationship to God, that vertical relationship, but it's about the horizontal relationship, how we get along with each other. And so both of those those things are in this. And then lastly, our sanctification or our maturing. You know, when Jesus gives these rules or these guidelines or however you want to phrase it, when he says, but I say to you, and he lays out something, it is to sanctify us. And it's one of the reasons as we push back on that, it seems that the word of God and the Holy Spirit push harder into conviction, and it sanctifies us. It grows us. It stretches us. And so not everything that you hear this morning are you going to like, but I want to tell you that what you hear from the Word of God and what the Holy Spirit teaches you will will likely disturb you, but it changes you into being more of the character of Christ. And so as we go through this, we we know that Ephesians 2.10, Paul wrote, he said, we are God's workmanship. So God is at work in us to perfect us, to mature us, to make us more like Christ. And so if we understand that, we know the goal, we know the why, and so we won't dismiss the instruction that's given to us. And so you will have a choice today. On several fronts of, how you will respond to God's Word, and how you'll respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit as we go through this passage. Now, let me just kind of give you a a brief idea of how we got here because um, when we originally started talking about doing this series, I did not intend on preaching these particular passages. Um, I intended to preach something completely different this week. And God rearranged that. And, and so um, I'm, this, is, this has been a struggle this week to work through some of the concepts that we're talking about. Because um, I had to personally come to grips with some of the things that were happening within our culture. And so my own look, I had to wrestle with some things, some ideas, some mindsets that are not necessarily overtly part of my context. Uh, the reality, when I look around this room, we're essentially looking the same. And so the, my my personal context does not necessarily have all the influence that some other context might have. And so I had to wrestle with that. And then also needed to wrestle with how to lead and pastor a church family with varied opinions and biases and experiences and even emotions that are in this room but also online so how was i going to do that and so it it was it's been a an interesting tough week in wrestling with these concepts and how to share them hence the caution tape um and if i could have had if i could have figured out a way not to trip wayne or anybody on the praise band we just put caution tape all over the place because the things that we're talking about this morning are weighty and they require us to to be cautious as we look at them and come up with what God has for us and so in the middle of this pandemic that we're still dealing with um, in the middle of that where tensions were already heightened Um, George Floyd was murdered in Minneapolis and it struck at an exposed nerve and launched a series of responses. That's just the truth of it. And so the question is, how does the church respond in um, in a culture, in a society, and in circumstances like we have? So that's what we're going to look at this morning. Um, As we get into this, Uh, the Bible states it very clearly and this becomes our foundational point is that Satan is a liar and a deceiver so we start there now we, we have a really big God and we praise him and we want him to be glorified we also know on the other side of that equation is Satan who is a liar and a deceiver he's also an opportunist and he will look for any opportunity to to affect the world in a way that disglorifies God or causes God to be put down. And so Satan is a liar and a deceiver. And Paul also wrote in Ephesians 6 that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is against the powers and principalities of darkness. And so we must understand that this is a spiritual battle as well as what we see in the physical realm. And God is at work just as Satan is working, God is at work too. And so us as the church must understand that our battle is spiritual and we have a responsibility to reflect the character of God, the creator of all. Matthew chapter 5 is our focus and And we're going to look at it through the filters of relationship, grace, honor, and love. And we're going to understand that God is a God that hears and responds. So to to come in here and think, you know, all these things are going on in our world, and even if we pray God's not really interested, he's just going to be hands off, is a misnomer about the character and person of God. God is intimately acquainted with it and wants to affect it, but he also wants his church to reflect who he is. And right now, the church seems to have about as many opinions in it as does the rest of culture. So we come back to Satan is a liar and deceiver, and our battle is not against flesh and blood, and we must honor and glorify God by the way we live our lives and the way we, we respond to all this. Psalm 34 Reminds us of God's ears. Psalm 34, starting at verse 11 Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good, and seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. And his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. And when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. I don't know if the circumstances of the last couple weeks. If those phrases at the end of what the psalmist writes in Psalm 34, if they relate to you at all. Like I said at the beginning, I had to contend with this in a way because my context does not include everything that's involved in the conversation right now. But it doesn't mean that I'm not broken hearted over the conversation not brokenhearted over the circumstances. So we have a God that has perked his ear to his kids' cry. And so let's take a minute and go to the Lord before we start walking through these passages in Matthew chapter 5. Let's pray. Father, we... Thank you for this morning and the opportunity to look at your word. and Father, as uncomfortable as the disciples may have been sitting there with Jesus and hearing these words that had challenged their thoughts and their feelings and their emotions, even their spiritual being, Father, as much as it disturbed them, some of these words will disturb us. They will move us off of what is comfortable for us to maybe places that create a little tension in our minds and hearts. And so, Father, today as we look at this passage, at these sections of Scripture from the Sermon on the Mount, Father, teach us and help us to be acutely aware of who we are in Christ and what you're about and what you're up to in us that we may glorify you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So I want us to to look at Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to look pretty quickly at some of these concepts, because in the middle of each of these concepts, we're going to take a moment and we're going to pray. Because there are some things that we need to pray about with regards to this. And so um, if you'll just hang with me, I'm not going to ask you to get together or anything like that, just pray where you're at. Um, but let's go ahead and, and start in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 21. It says, You have heard it that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the counsel, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly, verse 25, come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until... You've paid the last penny. So what is Jesus sharing with those that are sitting around him? Uh, The first point for us this morning is that God's grace requires reconciliation, not rage. God's grace requires reconciliation, not rage. Now, when we look at this, we see Jesus making this comparison between what was said before about murder and transferring it and saying, but I say to you, and he he makes this connection between murder and anger. And then he says, if you have that, go ahead and equate those, but if you have that, then if you are bringing an offering, leave that offering there and go and reconcile. Get that taken care of first, then come back and offer your gift. It's interesting that Jesus, go ahead goes ahead and makes the assumption that the people sitting around him would understand what it meant to come to the altar and he did, and in this you you see that um, he gives them a word of clarification but there's also caution in there because we we get angry i mean Jesus doesn't say don't get angry does he he didn't really say that. In fact, we read other places where it says you can get angry, but don't let the sun go down on your anger, those kind of things. We saw Jesus get a little upset, a little agitated when he walked into the temple. I wouldn't say he walked in with a big old smile and said, how are you guys doing, and you know, flip over the table. It wasn't that kind of thing. So we, saw, we see Jesus getting angry. And yet here in this passage, he says, if you have anger against someone, then go away reconcile and then come back the anger here is a the anger that's addressed here in this passage is not being angry for the right reasons it's anger that is a hindrance to worship what Jesus is sharing with them is is that there is in the mindset of the Jewish folks, and as they looked at the law, of this line that was there. And not giving them a technical absolution from the responsibility that goes with murder and anger. For instance, you remember the conversation about how many times should I forgive someone? Remember that conversation between Jesus and Peter? How many times is it supposed to be? Is it supposed to be seven times? And he said, no, Jesus says, no, 70 times seven, right? And so is, is Peter supposed to go, "Hot dog, I got 490 times at 491. This deal is done." No, It was the principle of it. that grace would extend far beyond what you thought the law allowed. And so what Jesus does in this passage is he doesn't give them a technical way out of dealing with anger. Like you, if you don't murder somebody, you're okay. But you can be angry all you want, and it's still okay. He's not giving them permission to take it that far. He's saying if you have anger, it's considered like murder, and you have to go take care of that. So go reconcile that, and then then come back and deal with your gift that you bring to God. Because guys, as you sit or as you sit around Jesus, they're understanding their guilt. And their sensitivity to that guilt ought to drive them and drive us to a desire for reconciliation. And so I want us, and we may have had the gamut of of angry um, kind of feelings in the midst of this chaos um, where we're upset for whatever reason it is. We've got, we get to the point where we understand that if we're going to come before God that this anger has to be dealt with because it can hinder our response and our relationship to God. So let's take a moment and pray and this is what I want us to pray about. Um, Tensions over murder. Expressions of anger, admissions of guilt that produce for us vivid pictures. You see, there was more than just one murder in the in the chaos of the last couple of weeks, uh, a lot of things centered around a particular murder, and it was George George Floyd was murdered. He didn't deserve to die, even though he may have deserved to be arrested, but but not deserving of murder. But there were others that have been murdered since, so we pray for for everything that surrounds those. So the murders, the expressions of anger, the looting, the, the stealing, all those things. So we must pray for the families of those devastated by what we would categorize as senseless violence. So we're going to pray for the Floyd family, for other families that have had someone die in the middle of this, for police families, for store owners. And whether you've been directly affected by this or not, our culture is affected. Our culture is sick. And so we're going to pray that reconciliation take place and not the rage that has driven the news cycle. Let's pray. Father God, we live in a world that is tense. There are some folks that have been affected by all that has taken place in our world on the heels or in the midst of this pandemic. And we wouldn't want to be in their shoes. And yet, Father, we have emotions and feelings about it and that are hard to deny. And yet your word declares to us that we should not have anger toward others, that we must seek reconciliation in the best way we know how, in a way that would bring you glory. And so, Father, we pray for those families that are affected. We pray for, for the store, store owners and cities and, and communities and our nation that you would bring reconciliation to your honor so that people would see the love of Christ that flows out of us as your representatives. So God, continue to grow us and stretch us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In Matthew, continuing in Matthew, in Matthew who would borrow from you? When when Jesus says this, and he's referring to some sections of Scripture in the Old Testament, some laws that had to do with exchanging equal um, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. It almost sounds like a hockey game, doesn't it? Um, but but Jesus is is talking about this, and and he's he's sharing this, and he's saying, "You've heard it said this." that that we exchange and we we retaliate in in a like fashion. But then Jesus says to go a different direction. That if someone does this, respond differently to that. And so here, grace, God's grace, requires respect, not retaliation. Requires respect, not retaliation. See, it's easy to be offended within our culture. Um, Facebook and Instagram and and uh, you know all the these platforms, they, they're changing, but they, they all have a way for people to share their opinions. They've become platforms or soapboxes for people to share whatever they want to share. And it doesn't take long to figure that out. And and they share these opinions, they share these in an unbridled fashion. And so you can go on to Facebook this morning and spend about 15 minutes and find anything that has to do with the, our society or our culture over the last two weeks, and what you will find is you'll find a strong opinion and a strong rebuttal, and it'll go back and forth and keep going. And what, what it does, it's given folks a platform for sharing their feelings without the responsibility of being face-to-face without anybody around them. And so you can share it without any... I mean, people are going to write back to you, but who cares what they write back, right? It's just your unbridled opinion, and everybody's got an opinion, and they can be all over the place. Essentially, what we've said on those platforms is it's okay for you to be offensive and and, and bully somebody, and nobody's going to care. And it's this eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth kind of existence. Because when we share like that, we know it may go back and forth, but we don't really care because retaliation is the name of the game when you're on a social platform like that. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, if they're going to do that, then you, when you get slapped on one side, turn so they can slap the other. Give them access. And what I see in this passage in 38 through um, for, through 42 as I see this uh, where we say unbridled opinion he, I think Jesus is saying give, give them unbridled access to you It's if they're going to take this give them this also if they're going to say hey go one mile with me that's the punishment go two miles with them hang with them persevere and stay in the midst of it we extend God's grace to others not by what they deserve. Because the truth is, we all deserve something that we don't get because of Jesus Christ. We all deserve to spend eternity in hell, don't we? Apart from Christ, that's where we would be, or that's where we're going. But when we accept Christ, we get the grace of God and the mercy of God and the forgiveness of God. And so we can't turn around and say, hey, you don't deserve grace. You don't deserve mercy. And say, you deserve that. you got what's coming to you. I was watching a video the other night, and it's, some things are just hard not to laugh at. But it showed two looters, and you may have seen this video um, but it's two looters, and they're side by side. And the first one throws something at a window, and then he turns and starts walking. And the second one throws his like against the same window and hits his friend in the head. I'm like, oh goodness gracious! And you go, and and my my gut reaction was to say, well, you deserve that, dude. You know. And then it shows the first, the second guy like carrying his friend off and dragging him down the sidewalk. But it's not about what you deserve because we deserve one thing and we are given something else. And when we come side by side with somebody, even if we disagree with them, we have the opportunity to show them grace, something they don't deserve. And like in that particular case where I was watching that video, the circumstances of that, because I would say, hey, don't throw a brick at somebody's business. That's not right. But those circumstances erode my respect for them. And we can look at our society and say circumstances erode re- respect if we're looking at something that we disagree with. And even if it's not that bad, we have biases and blind spots. Let me give you an example. If, have you ever seen a billboard where there was a partial image, partial image of something on the billboard and then words out to the side. Have you ever seen that? You know what that does, don't you? You know how that works? Is your mind fills in the rest of the image. You don't have to have the whole image of an egg McMuffin or a hamburger or something else to understand that's what it is. It's the same thing when you read a a sentence or something and somebody takes out all the vowels. You can still read that sentence, because your mind fills in those spots. And so you know what it says. And where there's a vacuum, something automatic in us fills that in. I, I grew up in a culture where I have certain biases and experiences that affect that. And when there's a vacuum, my life automatically goes to fill in those spots that I wouldn't normally and I may not even want that particular thing to fill that spot, but it automatically goes there. So I have to consciously think when I have a feeling about a particular thing is to step back and say, has my bias spoke into this in a way that is not godly? So I've got to step back. And I would say we all have these areas where these partial images or partial understandings of the people that were around cause us to want to retaliate when really we should respond in a way that shows love. And it's going to require my presence. I have to stay long enough to overcome that bias. So I stay in the circumstance long enough to deal with it. Tony Dungy said this, there's no clearer showcase of your character than your relationships. The way you treat others and expect them to treat you. So I want to pray about our relationships that we would show respect and not retaliate. And so I want to ask you to pray this, pray about this, to, be a, to ask God to make you acutely aware of personal biases and blind spots regarding people that are different. See, we most likely afford people and I'm going to use this word, but I need, you have to understand what it is. We, we tend to give people privilege to those that are like us. For instance, I grew up up north. And so and some of you did. Some of you did not. you know, there's a bias between southern and northern. The, the whole idea of liking grits or not liking grits, sweet tea and unsweet tea, all those things, and yet we don't think much of it because we don't, we don't give that a whole lot of thought, but those are the kind of things that will affect our biases and our blind spots, and so I'm going to ask you to ask God to make you acutely aware of where those spots are when you're thinking and engaging with other folks. So let's pray again. God, we thank you in the area of respect for how you see us. That your filter is grace toward us and mercy. And so, Father, as much as we would have blind spots or biases created by our environment or our circumstances or what we've been through, Father, we look to you as the example of what it means to be shunned and ostracized and insulted and beaten. And yet, at the same time, show respect and love and forgiveness. So, Father, may our lives reflect your glory again and your character again to those around us. We pray in Jesus' name. In this last section that we're going to look at this morning, very quickly, in verse 43, Jesus starts again with that phrase, You have heard it that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's a pretty high standard. Remember, he's talking out of his identity and his authority, and when he shares this, He's making a statement about every, how everybody around them was viewed. And he's not giving them an out. So he's not saying because of differences it's okay to do this. Now we know there are differences. There are differences in everything that we've experienced and watched over the last couple of weeks. There are two sides to offense. There's Um, you've got the police, and then you've got Black Lives Matter. And let me just go on the side here for a second. Um, Black Lives Matter is a phrase that has been used in a couple different ways over the last couple weeks. Now, let me be very clear. People, men and women and children that are black, matter. The organization that has that same name is an, is an organization that we would disagree with their essential tenets. If you go look them up on online, you would disagree with several, several pieces of what they're about. And yet we really wouldn't want to devalue those of a different color. And so we would say, yes, Black Lives Matter, and at the same time, we will not support Black Lives Matter. You hear what I'm saying? So, that's, so understand that. That's been on the table this, this last couple of weeks. Antifa, police unions, city councils, mayors hurt. The, there's disillusionment. Um, there's anger. Then you've got this little zone outside of Seattle that's called the um, Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, which is just kind of weird. Um, it's, it's different. And so uh, you have all those things. And, and there's the, the gamut, the spectrum of opinions about all of that. And so there are differences, and we're going to look at things differently. And so we don't want to necessarily deny those differences. To, to deny the differences is dishonest. Uh, there are differences in skin tone, in culture, and in background. To, to walk up to somebody and say, I don't see color, just means that you're blind. Because you are wearing a particular color today, and if I said, I don't see color, you would go, why not? I hope you see color when you, when you get dressed for church, because that way things match. You're going to see the differences in people's skin tone, and to deny that is just not honest. It's okay to say, that person has a different skin tone. They also have different culture and different and maybe some different beliefs, different ways they were raised. All those things play into it. There are differences, and we recognize that those are there are differences, but we at the same time are disingenuous if we ignore the similarities. That we are created by God. There are two paths that we can take in this. We can either go down the racism, division, fear, tact, or path, or we can go down the honesty, honor, and love and say that perfect love, as, as John wrote in 1 John 4, perfect love casts out fear. It is grounded in the character of God. When we reflect the character of God, then we get to say, yes, there are differences, but God made you. Psalm 139 is pretty clear. I've knit you together in my mother's womb and it doesn't say that I knit one group of people in my mother's womb and not the other. There's no distinction in that scripture passage. God knit everyone together in their mother's womb. The question, will we honor what God has done in being the creator of life? So I must approach every person as someone that God created. Dan Darling wrote this. He said, racism is sin in two ways. It demeans both the glory of God and the gospel of God. And when he says gospel of God, I think what he's talking about here is the idea that the gospel applies regardless of who the person is. That somebody can be saved whether they're black, white, yellow, purple, or green. That offer of salvation is available. The offer of the gospel, the good news, is available to everyone. So we honor when we listen and, and give value to what God has created. This is what Miles McPherson, who is a pastor in California, said. He used to be a youth minister, and, and um, he's an African-American gentleman that has pastored for years. And he wrote a book called The Third Option, and, and uh, this is what he said, if you deny the possibility of being offensive, you will deny the opportunity to learn how to be honoring. It's about staying in the situation long enough to listen. Now, where does does he come off saying that? Well, all he's doing is he's recognizing that in the middle of those differences, if we stay in that relationship long enough, it's likely that we're going to say something or relate something because of our biases, backgrounds, or who we are, that will be offensive to the other person that we're sitting across from. We get that. But you can't allow the differences that we have to keep you from staying at the table. Allow that tension to take place and allow that person to give you the opportunity to learn. And the same would be true if the the table was flipped. As you stay there long enough to wrestle with the opportunity to... To learn how to be honoring to one another we live in a country that is in process and the truth is we are a people in process And we as a church and as part of the church must address and fight the underlying diseases that plague godly health and gospel advancement and that would include racism abuse of power rioting, abortion. And we would seek to preserve those things that we say are important to the heart of God, that the family and marriage and freedom. So we must be a people of reconciliation, respect and restoration because we are a people of God's grace. Listen to what Paul wrote to the Romans. Romans chapter 12. and seek to show hospitality. Well, that's a list, isn't it? If we could take that list and and just kind of, I don't know, drive it onto the heads of everybody that we've watched on TV over the last couple weeks, what a difference that would make. And yet we can't really do that, but we can be the people of God that reflect that sentiment, that, that idea from the heart of God. So we must be a people that seeks after reconciliation, respect, and restoration by honoring those around us to be showing the love and the mercy and the forgiveness of God every single place that we can. It all starts with a, with a relationship with Christ. You can't share out of the character of God if you don't have a relationship with God. So there may be some in here that don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You've never accepted what Jesus did on the cross. And this morning we want to give you that opportunity to do that. If you want to have that conversation, I know that because of social distancing and and those kind of things this morning that we won't do our normal invitation, but if you want to have that conversation, I'll be around, Pastor Isaiah will be around, there'll be some Some of our deacons and there are others that would be glad to have that conversation with you this morning. So get that settled today. And allow that change to be the the catalyst or the start, the seed that allows you to live out the character of God with others. And then for those of us inside the family of God already, let's be the people of God that he's called us to be. Certainly we're going to have opinions but well, let's go to God first and check out what He says and respond out of, that, out of that foundation as opposed to all the other ways that we could possibly respond. He said, it's going to be a struggle. But God will use that. So we need to be people of love and honor driven by our love for God in every aspect of life. Remember, we're supposed to be light and salt. So we seek to do that, reflect the light of God and and be inspired not by the culture but by the grace that is afforded to us by the person of Jesus Christ. So let's pray. As Wayne comes, let's pray that we will be the people of God that he's called us to be in the midst of the craziness of our world. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we, as the people of God, as your church, would do well to represent you well. And Father, if there are areas of our life that cause that to be skewed, Father, may we spend some time with you and... Father, just understand your grace. It's been poured on us. God, thank you for listening this morning. Teaching us and growing us and stretching us. Father, be glorified by your kids. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church. We welcome you to join us next Sunday for our weekly worship service. If you have found this resource helpful, please do share it with others and check out our other ministries at ebcconnect.org.